Protoc. 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 Film Squawk. Tully. Directed by Jason Reitman. 2018. Hello and welcome back. I am Rochelle Robinson. And who else do we have with us this month? I'm Cassidy. And I'm Stacy. Are you surprised? <laughs> Surprise. Were you expecting someone else? You know the game now. It's episode five. Marlo, an overextended mother of three, accepts the gift of a night nanny to help care for her newborn. What are our yays? My yay is that I felt like the story shed some light on these gender roles that we have in partnerships um, and how toxic they can actually become and how we're blind to them. My yay is that it was a very real depiction of mental illness. And I believe a reason to see this film is simply to become a part of the conversation about mental illness, specifically perinatal mood disorders. I really have to think about my nay. Yeah. What are our nays? I'll start. I don't have a nay. I believe every person should be a part of this conversation. So my nay would just be the pacing of the movie a little bit towards the end. Uh, the way in which it was wrapped up was just very quick um, for how much buildup there was. It, it all just wrapped up a little bit too quickly for me. I really don't have a nay either. I'm struggling um, to, to find a nay. Um, there were some, like, maybe some cliche reactions in the beginning of the uh, peripheral characters to Tully. But I don't even... No, I am Stacy and I don't have an A. I'm Hi, Cassidy. Stacey. I'm the pessimist of the group. Hello. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> nice to see you Hi, all Stacey. today. Hi, Hi Rochelle. Everyone. Hi, Stacy. Oh, and I'm struggling. I'm, like, trying to dig. Yeah. But this is the first one. This is the first film where I'm, like... Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I'm the most lukewarm out of the group this That's time. Wonderful on this film. Yay. Thank God. Yay for my Otherwise, pessimism. we just have like a saying yes, uh huh. Mm -hmm. So this is Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody's third project together. The first was Juno in 2007. The second was Young Adult in 2011. Diablo always writes. Jason always directs, and now we have Tully. Uh, they're exceptionally divergent films, uh, though I think at their core, they're dealing with uh, a mindset, um, whether it's personally or whether it's culturally, and just willing to hone in on one human aspect, often and purposefully, women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Difficult women. I yeah. read an article about how Diablo Cody likes to write difficult women. Interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so Young Adult, is that with uh, Adam? I didn't see and, Young like, Adult. Ben Stiller's in it. It's. I mean, that's with Charlize Theron. Oh, She's my the gosh. Character in oh, that. my gosh. I was thinking of a different movie, and I have seen Young Adult, and I love that movie, too. She's going back. Yeah, she her life kind of blows up, and she is looking for that good moment. And it was the antithesis of Juno, which ends up being quite feel-good. Uh, but yeah, young adult is just essentially about a woman going back, trying to capture that good moment. Hang on to those feeling. glory days of yeah, high school. Of high school. Yeah. And so there was a lot of um, ability to relate to that teeny piece of whatever your past was that was so good for those idyllic five minutes. And then, of course, it just becomes this incredibly uncomfortable 
film about this incredibly unlikable person. Yeah, it was an uncomfortable film that I, I mm. liked it a lot, though. I think that's her M.O. Like, she's not sugarcoating anything. And I don't think she's being uncomfortable for the sake of being uncomfortable. I mean, part of her comedy is sort of wooden sometimes, especially in Juno. Everyone's a yeah. little sarcastic. Juno, I think, more than the others, too, is more like yeah. her outward comedy in that way. Where the other ones, it's just like shitty situations happen and then you laugh because you're like, oh, life, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> ha -ha. She's just sort of laying it on the table and then walks away. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, she had such uh, immediate success with Juno, Diablo did, and then Young Adult was not received in the same capacity. But I'm excited that her and Reitman decided to move forward and pursue another project together. I bet it was always on the table. But Tully, I don't necessarily see it as a merging between Juno and Young Adult, um, but I do see it as a writer continuing to evolve mm -hmm. and then put more and more of their personal uh, life into the writing, into the storytelling, into the characters. Jason Reitman has said that every film project must be somewhat autobiographical, and he's not even the writer on this. However, he's the director, which means he has such creative control over so much, and to then put yourself into it in some facet. It's interesting to see that more in this film than in their previous two. Tully definitely felt the most real out of the three films to me like June, you can see the progression of like Juno being like candy coated a bit and young adult was yeah a more uncomfortable viewing experience though there were still like because she was like a blonde trying to have fun you know there were still these moments of like lightheartedness to it I feel like whereas Tolly was just like very emotional it was kind of draining emotionally I appreciated I appreciated Charlize Theron more as Marlo than I appreciated her character in Young Adult. Same. I think that's probably natural because the young adult, young adult character was so hard to hold and so, so hard to follow. And, and more egotistical. Like yes. I feel like Marlo is more of like every woman mm -hmm. where maybe the young adult character was more a piece of every woman, but Marlo's like, wow, every woman can identify, I think, even if you haven't had kids with just that primal emotional state of being well the difference level. between a film that focuses on selfishness and right. a film that focuses on the burden of selflessness right right so it makes sense that they would feel very different but you know charlie's went through an entire transformation for this film uh and i know that you have both read articles about that transformation and what that was like for her at least to a degree Technically, Stacy read the article and then I regurgitated it to you, Stacy. Take it away. <laughs> so I did read the articles, the alleged articles, and she um, evidently, her snack of choice was potato chips. She always had a bag of potato chips in her purse. She ate in and out for breakfast. Um, and then she kept cold mac and cheese at her, at her bedside table and would wake oh up word. at 2 a.m. every night and eat it just to keep the weight on. Mm-hmm. So at first she said it was so fun, <laughs> like, how fun is this? I get to eat whatever I want. Um, but not too long into it, she started getting depressed, mm -hmm. which she had never struggled with depression. Um, and just that, that diet of processed foods at that rate, it takes a toll on your body. 
But yeah, when she moves, she like seems everything seems like a hardship. Like even just getting up off the couch to, to that character is just like. And then I was thinking about her diet leading up to that part. I'm just like, oh my god! And how much did she gain? Fifty pounds. Do we know how much she gained for Monster? For less. Eileen? I think it was less, like thirty pounds, right? Probably. And she talked about her experience then versus now, which was so many years ago, and how she just stopped snacking for a week and got her got back to where she was. And here, it took her about a year and a half to get back to her normal body weight because she's in her forties. And so she's got a completely different metabolism. Yeah. Um, so she was. She said she was scared during it. She was like, "What am I doing to my body?" Yeah. Um, and her doctor was like, "You're 40. <laughs> Relax. Oh my god, right. it's going to take some time." That's such a crazy amount of dedication. But I can see now, after reading the script, why she did it. At first, I was like, "How can anyone do that?" After reading the script, I do. I do now. I get how that was really important for the film. Like she needed to be that woman, that mm -hmm. post baby body woman. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that she did that. It just, oh, so it just seems so hard. Yeah, it blew my mind. I thought her performance was so good. I loved her performance. Yeah, I think what was so standout for me about her performance, about Charlize's performance, was uh, her ability to be so relatable even even as a woman myself who's never had a child uh that ability to connect with someone who is a, in a completely different place in their life but they're struggling and so the struggle seemed super universal just mm -hmm. it felt like a woman's struggle yeah versus a mother's struggle and we can always come back to this, the, you know, the onslaught of uh, response from certain mother groups uh, about this film. However, just as a woman, this film had very general, very, but at the same time, specific uh, messages for what women are res like responsible for, mm -hmm. what they're expected to do and be and how they are expected to manage all of all of those needs mm -hmm. and wants and people whether or not you have children yeah and she was so subtle in her performance too which i think was really appealing to me it, nothing was heavy-handed and i think that is something that drew me to her more yeah than again like in young adult where she's like this disaster waiting to happen because she wasn't really that at all in tolly yeah for me what i really connected with was her hallucination being her former self, um, thinking about who you were and what you looked like however many years ago and then looking where you are now, whether you've had kids or not, those expectations might not be the same. Um, or just thinking about, you know, how you used to think and connecting with that, that girl that you were. Um, I really related to that. It's something that my mom always tells me, like, protect that little girl inside protect that little girl that you were she's so important and you need her and so that hallucination that when I really started ruminating on, on that after the film I was like that has nothing to do really with childbirth that's just about being a person and trying to maintain your identity and achieve your goals without losing it so I really connected with that a lot because yeah I don't have kids I connected with that as well and the moment when I realized what was happening in the film 
um, and who Tully was, that Mackenzie Davis was actually playing an earlier version, a younger version of Charlize Theron's Marlowe. And Tully was Marlowe's maiden name. And it's this, this skin that you shed but never shed. And she's the one who comes back to rescue her now mother self. It, it just was so powerful. And it juxtaposed the relationship for me between Marlowe and Drew, played by Ron Livingston, uh, the husband. And though I think that it was very specifically stark. It was made stark for a reason, him working hard and then coming home doing absolutely nothing and playing video games. I have my own personal thoughts about that. But I think it was made stark for a reason because it's clear that they love each other and it's clear that he loves his kids. And so I appreciated that he wasn't villainized, but it really helped put you in the mindset of understanding how alone Marlowe is in navigating this world, let alone coming to terms with the fact that she is having a, a mental psychosis response to her hormone shifts from this pregnancy, which apparently she had potentially had in the past. Her she brother, totally did. her brother yeah. Craig, played by Mark Duplass, he he says, "I wish I had my sister back. I just miss my sister, or I wish you were right. the way that you had been." Yeah, the fact that there are all these people in her life that recognize there's an issue and they're like, do you want help? It's still on her to ask for that help, which is so frustrating and so prevalent. Um, her husband sees that she's struggling. He knows that she struggled in the past. This isn't new. So the fact that he didn't just hire the nanny right away or they didn't take initiative there puts it all back on Marlo to ask for the help, which makes her feel weak um, and which inevitably drives that psychosis of I'm, I have to be the best mom. I don't want to fail. Or not even weak, but just alone. Like she was just standing there drowning when they're, when the kid got kicked out of school and stuff, you know, it was just like. Someone step in, recognize that she needs help and then make that happen. So many women have to ask for it. And when it's so clear they need it. And I think it's interesting, too, when you read about postpartum, so many women that are, like, big in the media have struggled so hard with postpartum. I mean, even, like, Princess Di had terrible postpartum and wouldn't talk about it because it was, like, oh, what's the word? I'm trying to think. Yeah, like a stigmatized, yes, taboo, like a taboo topic that women don't talk about. And so I feel like now it's finally a topic of conversation more and I lost my train of thought. So go ahead and edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, it is, it is interesting that we have women, vocal women in the media for decades now who have knowingly been dealing with postpartum depression, which affects one in five women. Right. So of course it should be something we're hearing about, but, but it's not. Yeah. And even the women that go through it and have, like vocalized their issues a little bit, like say that they held on to that for so long and felt so uncomfortable about talking about that. Um, I don't know if that's like a status thing too, but I think that is an issue for a lot of mothers is, you know, not showing your cards in the postpartum depression sort of way, because maybe that comes back on like, well, you're not that good of a mother or, you know, absolutely, totally. I think it's all wrapped up in shame mm -hmm. and, um, and then you have these, good men who are just so passive and are just sort of waiting to be asked what to do, except maybe when they want sex and then 
that's when they speak up. Right. Um, but that was so evident in this film. I thought that Diablo Cody really captured that really nuanced dynamic between partners mm-hmm. where, like you said, he's not villainized Mm-mm. and he's working hard and he, it's clear that he loves her and she loves him mm-hmm. and they love, we love us, they love us. You mm-hmm. know, that was the end of the film. But he's still just sort of sitting there instead of taking action right. to help his wife. And he has the tools, he has the knowledge, and he's not helping. And that's and that's a big part of the conversation, I think, around this film right now with uh, mother groups online who are suggesting that this film should have made more of a point of identifying what she was struggling with and then show her getting treatment. Yeah, that I think was part of my issue with it, like all coming together so quickly at the end, realizing that she's been hallucinating. Am I allowed to spoil it now? Spoiler. But yeah, like there wasn't enough resolve for me in all of that. It was just like, cool, you guys are making lunch for the kids now. But I don't know. It was I wanted more out of the fact that they had realized she had a mental illness and was struggling with that instead of it just like cutting from the hospital to like her at home and like, oh, he's helping now because look, he's putting the kid's shoe on or whatever in the morning. Like, I don't know. And that's one of my my biggest issues with this dissentious conversation right now by people who haven't seen the film is that this is a mood disorder, what we're seeing, but it's not postpartum depression. No. It's postpartum psychosis, mm-hmm. right. which only occurs... I think it's 0.1% 0.1% of the population. Yes. And uh, it's severely underdiagnosed anyway, just like just like postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. One in five women may suffer from postpartum depression. 70% of them will never get treatment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I really appreciated about this film is that it was a lot more true to form. It opened up the conversation from a, a real starting place versus a fantasy starting place. The idea would be, in reality, this is more what it would look like. She wouldn't recognize what she has, it has and she would not get treatment for it right. because that is 70% or more of, of the real story. And so in the end, when she has driven drunk and Tully's no longer there when she wakes up, she's not there in the hospital, she recognizes potentially what's been happening to her. I don't necessarily see Drew a part of that realization. I just continue to see him being a good man who is realizing that things aren't so great for his wife and wanting them to be better. So he's starting to give a little. And I think that really happened for his character, that moment of realization that he's absent when he is talking to the doctor and he says, I didn't even know that she left the kids alone. And the doctor says, but you were home. Right. The kids weren't home alone. And that right there is the issue. Yeah. He was not present. No. Even though he was there, he was not there for his children. Mm -mm. And so I thought that that was, it took, it took him back, I think, a little bit. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh. So I thought that was his eye-opening moment. Whether it was about mental illness, it was about the fact that he's not there at all. And that's what I see in the end scenes, which I too do have a problem with but what I do see is him saying I wasn't there I want to be there I wasn't intending to become this person right to become absent in this way or to leave you alone with this even though he doesn't know what this is and Mm -hmm. so then when they touch shoulders and he takes the earbud and they listen to music together am I satisfied with the fact that 
what she's really been dealing with hasn't been named, that she's not getting treatment, that he's not actually walking her through the the mire, the muck and the mire, the, the mm-hmm. depth of what she's dealing with. No, that's not my favorite. It's not. But that's real life. But that's real. And it's also real that people can't maybe afford treatment. Yeah, You totally. know, like she totally brought that up with the, with the brushing method. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you've got to do what you've got to do. Right. You know, and so that's, yeah, let's just sit side by side and chop cucumbers. That's it. That's life and it's not a fantasy. Well, and speaking of the ways that we're coping with mental illness outside of professional medical treatment, the scene with her son when she goes to brush his skin and he says, maybe I don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. Talk about learning from your kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool moment. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite moment. Yeah, it was so amazing. Dynamic, yeah. It gives me a chill. Especially when you hadn't seen a ton of this this young actor mm-hmm. in the film. You'd seen enough and you you knew he was struggling and not understood and an outsider. And you watched her champion him mm-hmm. over and over and over again and just meet him where he was at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, it, it this film is creating such an enormous opening and opportunity for conversation that for it to be shut down by individuals who haven't seen it or just shut down at all. Get real. Mm-hmm. Get thankful. This is now a part of the conversation. It's provocative and people can't help but put their teeth into it. Mm-hmm. I did have, I will say though, I did have a little bit. I know a lot of couples now, and maybe this is just in my tiny world view of people that I know that the husbands want to be much more involved and are more involved mm-hmm. and get scrutinized because of that and like right. made fun of. So I was a little irritated again by kind of these tropes of like mamas at home with all the kids struggling and absent dad is like working a nine to five. I'm a little I feel like they could have explored more of a present father a little bit, even with mental illness, like even with the same storyline, essentially, but just making him, I don't know, more willing to participate because I think f- on the male side of the spectrum, that's something that's that men are struggling with or man and men and women that are in a marriage where the woman goes back to work and then the dad stays home with the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like it was a little still like archaic is not the right word. That's way too heavy handed, but stuck in the past a little bit in the dynamic between the husband and wife. I think it I did feels feel that, that way. Yeah. And I think it does feel that way, but I think it's also just our present. I know so many people that that is the dynamic and it's just, it shouldn't be that way and it feels tropey because we see it all the time but that's because it is real (laughs) and I think those dynamics are alive and well um in the world today you know and so yeah I also want more um depictions of men being nurturing um but I just don't think that was the the point of this story I think she wanted to talk about yeah these men who think that they're trying and that they're being there, but they're not. I, that was just the biggest one for me. I, I just thought she handled that so well. And for me, it was super believable. And maybe that's because of the people in my... No. Yeah, I don't think it was unbelievable necessarily. I just feel like it was a, a missed opportunity maybe to explore like a more modern husband and wife dynamic. I don't know. And I would hope that that would be the next story or one of, of the coming stories that now this very raw, rooted tale depiction has been pushed to the forefront and has gotten so much press and so much conversation backing it 
um, such divergent opinions about it, I would hope that other filmmakers would champion this, you know? Like, what ways can we explore these dynamics? I'm sure that there are things that men who stay home with kids when the when the mother goes back to work that's a whole other avenue and need for exploration Mm -hmm. there's a lot there Mm -hmm. just like there's a lot there with other types of stories about postpartum depression this is one woman and the psychosis is is rare right and so often it wouldn't i mean it can come about in this type of manifestation of self as younger. But what I love so much about this story is that it it doesn't exclude other women who haven't been mothers. Yeah, that's is true. It, yeah, it provides a way for us to continue to unite mm-hmm. as women and the depiction of Drew, the husband, to not villainize men, but to just all say, okay, we're struggling like, hey, this is an issue and you're not a bad person because mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah. The doctor held him accountable mm-hmm. in that moment. That was the fundamental moment for his character. And he he rose to it immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I mean, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to take more time for ourselves than is healthy for our relationships sometimes. But we always can have an opportunity, if we choose it, to make a change. Yeah even though he didn't know that she was ill, even though he wasn't able to recognize even that. Even though he knew, he just, I think he knew. I mean, they all they all talked about it. But what did he know? What does anyone know about postpartum depression, especially her psychosis? Well, or- and she doesn't talk. Like, even when she was in the principal's office, she was very much, again, like a tropey woman. Yeah, I struggled with it a little bit just because it's on the fringe of stereotype for me. So I'm like, ugh. What's so interesting, though, about this is that If you are Drew in this home with these kids, he's going to work, he's coming home. Tully's not actually there. No one's actually cleaning that house. Right. No one's actually (laughs) making those cupcakes. His wife is manic up in the night. And that's where I challenge the stereotype idea because we never see that. Somehow this film allowed a vehicle, provided a vehicle to show the worst parts of this illness the most devastating, difficult parts that actually should be able to be recognized by family members mm-hmm. and shows us why people, women, don't recognize this in themselves sometimes and why the people in their lives still fail, even in the mania, fail to recognize that something so horrible and egregious and terrible and life-changing mm-hmm. and serious, emergency, like this is an emergency condition. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it, clear. It is. You see it. She. You can tell she's in dire straits. She is, but only once you combine her with the character Tully. Mm-hmm. And that what I, is what I found so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I also just related to her on a personal level because I am that person to take on and help. Like I thrive on that. And then I get to a point where I've taken on way too much. Yeah. And I don't ask for help. And that n- is not necessarily a, a female characteristic, though I think women tend to do that um, because they're expected to. Um, so for me, maybe the reason why it doesn't feel stereotyped to me is because I feel like that woman. 
Yeah. Like I could be Marlo. And, and I'm a freaking loud mouth. It's like, <laughs> I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling this right now. So <laughs> maybe that's where I'm like having a hard time grasping at like realism of it, you know, I'm like, well, these people aren't communicate. Like what the fuck is yeah. going on with this relationship? Yeah. And for me, I'm and, like, that's And real. maybe that's where it felt like too fast for me too, where it was like, because none of it was addressed and it was like, oh, mm-hmm. surprise, you've been hallucinating. The end. Which is what I also, <laughs> but I also love that too. Di- Diablo is just like, here. She dumps everything on the table and, and then she walks puts her away. hands on her hips. And then she puts her hands on her hips and turns around and walks away. And so we're all just having to deal with that. The characters didn't talk about it, but now we have to. Yes, yeah, and, and that, that is, is cool. That's that really cool. So much. Yeah, it was definitely very well crafted. <sighs> I just, I don't know why. Some of it was just like, oh, stereotypical. Ah. Yeah, and maybe it's because yeah, you don't communicate that. Identify I don't know. With that woman yeah, necessarily. I, yeah, yeah. We want her to communicate, but what would she say? Yes. Yeah, it, what Stacy was saying, it comes back me. to ask, yeah, the women having to ask for help. It's clear she needs help. But also, what words would she use? Right. Does she ha- does she know that this is what's going on with her? Does she have these words? Are we providing society with education around these types of mood disorders? Right. Mm-hmm. Are we empowering women to know that it's okay that your body was shared and now it's not being shared in the same way and everything can and maybe will get all messed up but you're not messed up and it will be okay we just got it we got to talk about it we got to get help mm-hmm. we got to get treatment mm-hmm. but if there are no words yeah and yes absolutely they all saw the signs they went through a previous thing she doesn't have the words to communicate what she needs these people needed to not wait around to see if she wants that. They needed to hire the night nanny and just say, we're doing this. This is happening. That's what she needed because she didn't have the words to ask for what she needed. And Um, so she manifested it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she she created created her own night nanny because no one would rise to the occasion to help her when she is having to do everything everything else. So that's, it's the whole asking for help thing that I'm just like, she nailed it. Diablo nailed it for me. And I do, I mean, yeah, I do see that in like, in the part where she said she didn't want her baby bonding in the night with a stranger. You know, I do under, I mean, I don't understand that. I'm not a mom, but Mm -hmm. in a way I can understand that. Um, And yeah, her not wanting to ask for help because maybe being seen as a bad mother or, you know, not a present mother. I don't know. And they didn't have the money. So then there's that whole shame element of like getting a handout from your family member it was definitely nuanced well and we're dealing with different generations and concept of feminism here women are still expected to do it all and if you can't then you're the person that you're letting down and it's so interesting see this is still where i'm like again and it's all my tiny little perspective but just like knowing other couples where like men will get up and do night feedings but she's like pumped all this milk and like the husband can't even get up and like do a feeding and I don't know see part of that is and I guess I don't know the right people maybe but I have a hard time being like yeah that's totally believable it is it is I'm telling you right now in the most it intimate friendships real. that I have that yes. is what's real same see like that that's why this movie sucks. is important and and it does skirt on these stereotypes, but it, I think it's really trying to get away from them. Like you said, it didn't portray her or show her cleaning or, or yeah, um, no, you didn't get to see her tropes, Um, But it's trying to say that this is real, and we see the frantic mom all the time. But mm-hmm. this is the reason. Here's a potential reason why. So 
I was just, just like, this is so real. And yeah, maybe it is because of my, I have a different context because of the people I know. It's freaky. It's scary. And also I'm, I'm a little bit Marlowe too. And it was so closely um, able to isolate this mood disorder or depict it in some way that there is an outcry from mom groups online that it should have had a trigger warning. And so I'm posing this to you. It's this concept, this question. Should art be required to have a trigger warning? No. no. How would that benefit the conversation? Film's job is not to educate or cajole. Right. It's, it's to be art. It's, it's to, to slap depict. you with a story exactly. and to be like, walk away and yes. talk about this. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not a documentary. Yeah, no, I think no. that's absurd to request. It's really divisive right now. On these mother groups. And and so many of these quotes that I've been reading are from people who haven't seen it. And their biggest mm. issue is Tully. Their biggest issue is the psychosis. Their biggest issue. And the first thing I ever read about this way long time ago was about this concept of bringing in like some sort of sex alternative. Mm. Which is not at all this story, obviously. She's the one who's in the costume. She's the one who's seducing her husband. She's imbibing herself with her past self, the girl who was adventurous and could get outside her head and just get into the moment because she didn't have this baggage hanging off of her every single second of the day. So what we're seeing is this beautiful consensual moment where she's just doing her best and he is totally blindsided because it's just not been a part of their relationship for a little while. Mm -hmm. This is not some sort of sex slave, sex nanny <laughs> situation. And that was the first introduction I had to the media response to this film, and I stopped reading. That's crazy. What a weird takeaway from the entire story to just pull out that tiny, like, two-second scene. Yes, that's exactly what happened to me, and I thought that I was reading a huge spoiler. Oh, that was I it. I was just about to ask Yeah, you. I went into Tully thinking that it was going to be this weird sex thing Same. and i thought that actually it was going to be between tully and marlo oh interesting. i was getting i thought that too as a viewer that hadn't beginning. read anything yes oh. from the trailer i was like they have so much chemistry i thought that that was gonna <laughs> like happen. in the bathroom when she turned to vomit i was like they're gonna make out yeah, nope she's vomiting I was in a toilet totally like <laughs> they're mind. both M mackenzie is just so like she's such she gives so much yeah she mm -hmm. gives so much energy so maybe she just can't help but put off like Let's have beautiful sex together. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know. She, she just puts off the whole, I am in this with you. Yes. Yeah. Let's I'm go there here. together. And it makes sense because she's just she's talking her. to herself. She is her. I did they like how <laughs> she told Marlo's character when they were in the car how she had accomplished all of her dreams. Because I do think about that sometimes if like my past self met me today, if they would like be proud of where yeah. I've gotten. Yeah. And it's interesting, like even if you are just like have a belly that you're trying to like rework into your old body and like or sweating with three kids and your nipples hurt and you know that your past self would still be like damn girl you did it that's awesome <laughs> yeah. yes they both I did like that a lot <laughs> they both met each other's expectations yeah you know and it was so clear that Tully wanted kids she was nurturing that was mm -hmm. on her agenda she yeah. wanted children and then she got it right and then, you know, you have this fantasy of what that actually means. It, they don't talk about the fact that you wear a diaper. Right? Oh, I love your pants. I loved the diaper. Like, seriously, the puffy nipple 
clips yeah. and the diaper was mm-hmm. so amazing because it is stuff even as women that you have to know someone that's gone through yes childbirth like underground knowledge yeah and I feel like you have to know the woman like as she's going through all these like bodily changes for mm-hmm. her to even talk about it like I've known other pregnant women you know not been on the journey with them that right. have never even mentioned any of these things oh. so I did appreciate the depiction of pregnancy and what it's like after the fact and that it's not like this glamorous no rose-colored lens mm-hmm. sort of experience sweat glistening <laughs> sweat glistening on your stretch marks <laughs> oh my gosh i make milk oh yeah <laughs> that was milk. awesome i make milk I wonder if the women's groups or the mother's groups are so upset because there are so many that are struggling with postpartum depression. I wonder. Mm -hmm. And and this is so, you know, in that context, far-fetched, the Tolly storyline. I could see that, like, is trying to bring it into a a modern conversation, Mm -hmm. deciding to go with, like, the extreme 1% of women that deal with that Mm -hmm. instead of dealing with this, like, block group of people like I went home and watched um being Serena Mm -hmm. which is a series on HBO about Serena Williams childbirth but then also it goes in which I think there's only one episode up so it's like her before she's had the baby and she won like an Australian Open while she was pregnant with this baby and it was so important to her to like tell the baby that while the baby was inside her she like won her 23rd title right and because she's so like accomplishment driven and stuff and so because she does become very depressed she gets Mm -hmm. postpartum depression which it doesn't get there she like goes to the hospital is the end of the first episode oh wow so I think it is interesting maybe with the pushback of these mothers groups because there are so many women that are dealing with postpartum depression and not the hallucination part of it right you know maybe that was like something that fell a little bit short for the larger majority of women that That are dealing with mental illness after having a baby and just in the like conversation of the media now I feel like the postpartum element of it is more prevalent than yeah what did you call it what is it called the postpartum psychosis yeah postpartum psychosis Mm -hmm. which is very rare and I would hate for women to think that this movie was portraying any mother as having uh, a psychotic breakdown or that yeah any sort of like baby blues leads to this because that's not true um no it's it's generally paired with a pre-existing bipolar disorder yeah mm-hmm. and there are going to be cases that aren't associated with that but yeah it's definitely rare the point one percent but it still exists and it was a vehicle i think that was used to try to bridge gaps between women who can relate and women who cannot mm-hmm. yeah i think it was a smart vehicle to use i just wonder and i think that was probably been my like disconnect with it a little bit was like whoa that was a little extreme and it just gets people talking about it they'll go look up maybe stats that's exactly what what i wanted to do oh that's not very common what else so postpartum depression Mm -hmm. it it gets people then people will educate themselves it inserts this uh reality into people's everyday lives who may never be touched by it but may know someone eventually one day and maybe now have different tools um this you know, film released at the very beginning of May when May 2nd was World Maternal Mental Health Day. I think that they made a lot of really intentional decisions when it came to the release and not only the making, but the release of this film. Um, And it's interesting, the poster with uh, all the stickers all over Marlo's face and then like the writing on the side that says Tully, it reminds me of what people see on themselves when they wake up after having passed out. 
Mm, like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Face. Some sort of joke that people play on you mm-hmm. when you've passed out after drinking too much. And it's just this very interesting play, potentially, on how we hold and respect mm-hmm. disrespect, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we treat it like in everyday life. Yeah. And it's almost Mother's Day. And it is almost Mother's Day. Which Sophie, I have to credit Sophie for telling me that. I was like, that's a good observation. Yeah. I. It's one of my favorite films. It just had this rhythm that I haven't really seen for a while. It made me think of Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way the scenes that they chose to show Marlo doing some inane uh, chore or task. task. Yeah, it was just so banal and real. The pacing was really I, not slow, but like it like allowed it to unfold kind of organically, I think, because mm-hmm. it wasn't very clipped yeah but it was i mean at times it was too though it was really rhythmic and energetic like when she was like pumping her milk yeah that montage i like that montage the way they utilized montage in this was was compelling it was so good um man i yeah there are so many wonderful things that i want to talk about it that i can't choose because i thought it was such a well-crafted and well-directed movie and then just this brilliant writing brilliant performances oh man I loved it. So as far as takeaways go, I personally am going to hold on to the fact that we need to continue telling stories that haven't been told. And sometimes they're going to be extreme and sometimes all the time. They're not going to tell your story, but they're going to tell a story. And it's going to be a unifying factor. It's going to be a unifying element. And if we can continue to look at people who aren't seen and tell stories about topics that aren't talked about. We have the ability now with internet, with our connectivity to actually start new conversations so that people have a place to begin. So that maybe when something like this happens, not psychosis, but just a hormonal response, a mood disorder is developed after childbirth. Even just having seen this movie, maybe a friend or a mother, or a husband, or a child will be able to say, I think we need to get help. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful takeaway. That is, I think, my takeaway as well, is we need to follow any sort of intuition. We need to be active partners. If you have an intuition that something's wrong, Mm -hmm. then you need to take action and not ask if something's wrong. Yeah. If, If your significant other is tired and they're doing the dishes, don't ask if you want them to do the dishes. Just do the dishes. Go away. I'll take care of this. We need more active people. And I don't want to put this all on men, that men need to be more active. I'm sure there are plenty of situations where the role's reversed. But if we have the knowledge, we need to act on it to be the best partner that we can be. My takeaway... I think is to just continue to explore like stories that are kind of ugly in our society, you know, that mm-hmm. have been swept under the rug and tell those stories and to do it with comedy involved, I think is really smart because it's so digestible for so many people. Um, so yeah, write sad movies with comedy involved. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for our fifth podcast. We will have more for you next month. Obviously. Obvi. Obvi. <laughs> so until next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See ya. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 